I find that we often undercut our experiences in ways that is like if somebody were to be only looking at a list that you've created, you'd look back at your year and you're like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then you might look at it and not really see what it really was. But when you have all of these little bits of data put together and you reference it back, it gives me a holistic understanding of everything, not only of the achievement, but also of how I was feeling and what that means. Do you know what you did this year? Do you know how many blog posts you published or how many emails you sent out? Do you know how many customers bought your product? Have you kept track of the accolades that have come your way or the speeches you've delivered or the interviews you've done? When the year is hurtling toward a close, it's easy to lose track of everything you've accomplished already. All you can see in front of you is a to-do list that absolutely must get done before you can relax and enjoy the holiday cookie spread. But that's precisely why taking a look back is key. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. This month, we're examining how we can take better care of ourselves as small business owners. We're putting aside cliche self-care tips and digging into how entrepreneurs actually engineer their routines, procedures, and operations to care for themselves. This week, my guest is Elsie Escobar. Elsie is the co-host of Libsyn's podcast, The Feed, as well as their community manager. She's also the co-host of She Podcasts, a podcast and community of over 14,000 women podcasters. Her mission is to help more people use their voice and make an impact through the craft of podcasting. With everything she has going on, it would be easy for Elsie to forget what she's accomplished in a year. It would be easy to dismiss the small wins and important insights she's experienced. And that's why Elsie has developed a personal process of looking back, assessing her opportunities, and setting intentions for the new year. Elsie and I talk about the energy of the end of the year and how it can contribute to feeling like we need to catch up no matter how much we've achieved. We also talk about the experience that catalyzed her will to look back and set intentions, as well as how she's trained herself to recognize her true capacity. Now, let's find out what works for Elsie Escobar. Elsie Escobar, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. I cannot wait to hear more about this kind of end of year process that you go through. So let's just dive right into it. Tell us about your annual end of year personal inventory. How did it come to be? Well, it started simply because I always felt at the beginning of the year, you know, there, there was always like the remembrances in December of like, you know, all the posts that go up and all the different articles that go out in the entire internet mm-hmm. about looking at your year and all of that stuff. And um, I always felt really self-conscious and I felt like I was a loser and I felt like an unachiever of things. Um, I also, I, I just felt like I was failing at doing things, you know, that I wasn't doing it right. And I started to realize that in order for me to really take sort of responsibility for this, I had to kind of do a little bit of work <laughs> mm. to to get myself to a position where I felt like I was actually in quote doing things. And at first I, I just kind of like was really resistant to any kind of inventory, any kind of looking back, any kind of invent and, and none, none of that stuff. I, it wasn't really important to me. 
But then I started to realize that the reason that I wanted to do it for me is because I really was feeling like I was always catching up. So came January, I felt like I was, I, I was totally behind. And I don't know where that came from. That was just sensa- the sensation that I had. And so I started to really start the process of this sort of inventory for myself way early, like in September, October. Mm. <laughs> and so that's when my time to really start to assess my last year, my upcoming year, uh, particularly from a mindset point of view, it starts for me now in the Northern Hemisphere in the fall. Like that's a huge, massive um, energetic shift for me where I feel um, kind of empowered. Like fall to me has a really powerful feeling to it. It's Mm -hmm. still like energized and I have a lot of mind like openness because once winter comes around, holy inertia, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just want to cuddle. I just want to cuddle and be warm. (laughs) I can really relate to that. Uh, I also have that sense in September, October of like, yeah, like anything is possible. And then as Mm. soon as November hits, as soon as the time change happens, I'm a mess. I've been a mess for the last two weeks. And um, it makes a ton of sense to me to start this process when you're feeling better as opposed to when you're feeling worse. Yeah. And then what's really interesting is that even then, like you can get a little bit of a burst of like excitement for the new year towards the end of the year, the Mm. last maybe last couple of weeks or so. And even that burst of like the first part of the year. And what you can have is you have a bucket of all of this stuff you've already done. Like even if it's just sitting down and looking back at your year, even if it is about counting the things that you achieved, even if it is about, you know, how many books you read, like really simple things like that can really spark creativity and make you feel like you've done and you've accomplished and you've moved and you've evolved and you transformed um, from a really like empowered place. And I use that, you know, I use that at the beginning of the year instead of having to start from nothing. Got it. Um, So I want to get into what the process actually looks like in just a second. But first, I'm thinking back on the Instagram post that you wrote um, that inspired me to reach out about this interview and learn more about this process. Um, And I can remember that you said, I think it was a couple of years ago, maybe 2017 was a really rough year for you. And it really required you to dig into this process. Um, If you don't want to talk about it, totally fine. But if you don't mind talking about it, um, can you kind of paint a picture for us of what was going on that year that really required you to dig into finding your intention and and finding sort of your grounding in this process. Yeah. Um, in 2016, actually, towards the end of 2016, I had a very sort of like a very uh, personal um, thing happen with an, an ex-boyfriend, if you will, mm. 10 years after the fact. So it was this really weird, like bizarro, crazy person thing that happened in my life that made me feel incredibly unsafe. Uh, It made me, you know, have to deal with the police. It had to make me take about a lot about inventory in the security of my family in the way that my life was very public. So like I was everywhere and I started to fear for our location. I started to fear for so many different things. And then I got, um, you know, possibly the, the most, the highest level of anxiety I've ever had in my life. I've 
been an anxious person for most of my life. I've had to manage anxiety most of my life. Um, and so I kind of know what my triggers are. And I know I've, I've heard you like mention about that, you mm-hmm. know, like you manage your triggers, you manage like when it's happening. And man, this like, this was rough. This was like, I, I was like not even in anxiety. It was like in full on panic mode mm-hmm. where I didn't know how to handle myself. Right. And so what it ended up doing is it really, it, you know, it forces you to go really deep into your own self mindset, um, choice making, um, and especially how to stand up for yourself and how to voice that and to recognize that there were some loops. And this was brought to me by my amazing, uh, partner who is a very evolved man (laughs) who essentially said to me, you have not in your consciousness closed the gap Mm. here and yourself, right? You need to close that gap for yourself. And, and then he, he actually said, or I will do it for you. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's probably not the best because it was my, it's my life, right? It's my well-being. So I realized that part of taking control of this or managing that part of my psyche was in me really understanding what that meant. Like, what does that mean to close the loop? And what does it mean to really stand up for myself in this fashion? And I did a lot of work, you know, I, I reached out to, to like therapists and um, people who I consider to be wise women, actually one specific wise woman who really talked me through, she's a psychologist as well, and talked me through lots of little loops and patterns. So I really worked hard at that. But my insides were still really messed up. You know, it mm-hmm. took me a while for me to get really grounded back up. And then we had the election. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I also was incredibly triggered by that because everything that was happened in, in the election was essentially validating the same energy that I had just mm-hmm. rejected. And it was like a, a huge loop. And I thought, oh, I, I, I honestly thought that I was going to go under. Like I was like, this is too much. The world, the men, the you know, all of the things were like, I felt like I had no control. What is this world coming to? You know, like I was just getting all crazy like that in my head. And there came a point there where I don't even know where this evolved from, right? It was like, I, I think it was in that element of like stillness towards the end of the year. Again, at this point, I'm not like... I am not preparing anything <laughs> this time, right? I'm just going through fall because there's all this stuff. And then that winter it was sort of the, 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 the feeling of like, I'm just going to go inside for a little bit and be with, this, with these feelings and, and allow myself to kind of process this feeling of, of, of lack of control. Like I had no power. And in that process... I don't know what happened, but there seemed to be like this like kindling of like this ferocity that came out from me where, where it was like, I refuse this. Mm. I refuse this. Like every part of my body was saying, I refuse. Like I got really, really mad and I got just no way is, is this going to stop me? And I kind of let that simmer inside of me. And, and so I was coming from this spa- space of like super kind of pissed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as I started in the, in the beginning of the year, you know, I, I've been working in podcasting for so many years at that time already. And I started to see this like crazy 
narrative that keeps going out there. It's always about the downloads. It's always about talking about the monetization. It's always with the same people being featured in Apple podcasts. It's always like, you know, all of these things that are just really pissing me off. And I just could not understand why the conversation never changed Mm -hmm. to anything different. And I had so many things to say. And I was like, why isn't anybody talking about this? And I realized that I needed to talk about that. It was it was one of those like sort of like self-reflective mirroring things because I was talking to these people getting really pissed off, like anybody that would listen. And I was like, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you bring this up? Why don't you, you know? And it was like, well, because we don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> that's not their agenda. And I was like, oh my God, that's so dumb. And so <laughs> I finally decided, I was just like, well, I'll do it then. I will do it. And that was the beginning, I think, of of my mentorship experience that started from it, it started from this feeling of helplessness. And then it tied into the fact that I have been working with some incredible women for so long and the same pain points kept coming up. Like nobody is listening to my show, like in terms of um, audience size, right? Nobody's listening to my show. I can't get the, you know, the features. I can't, you know, all of those things. And I was like, maybe there's something missing with their shows. You know, like I just was like super curious and I started listening and I'm like, these women are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so great. What is wrong? And so I just was like, you know what? I have the platform. I have the visibility. I'm the one that's going to push this forward. And I did. And I started to. And I literally, it's like, it was crazy. I would just, it, there was a point there where I would just say like, okay, guys, jump. And they would go, okay. <laughs> And they would would jump. And I was like, what? That was so easy. (laughs) Why wasn't I doing this sooner? So that's what happened. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Okay. So let's let's actually get into how this process kind of works for you and for the women that you mentor. And I've been lucky to have sort of an inside glimpse of this working with you in the E-League. Um, but I, I want to know kind of not only how it works for, you know, the podcasters that you work with and how you work on it in kind of your own business, uh, business and career side of things, but I'd love to know kind of what your personal process looks like as well. So can you kind of walk us through what the process looks like and just how you quote unquote executed in right. your daily life and in your career? I think that part of it is that I'm going to just going to walk you through the actual personal side, which Great. is, I think has been huge for me that that's been, that's been the thing that's made this happen to me even more. So in that process that I told you towards, you know, 2016 and all of that stuff, you do get, or I started to get a lot of visibility, um, around that time because I was speaking out and I had been working primarily behind the scenes with a lot of different things. And the reason that I was working behind the scenes on most things is because I really cherish privacy and I also really cherish my lifestyle. Like that's actually what leads me. It's my lifestyle, my ability to be with my girls. I'm a homeschooling mom. Um, We've always done things differently. My husband also doesn't have like a nine to five job. 
we um, we are kind of I can't say I guess I, the reason I say is we're kind of scrappy is because we 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 do things completely unconventionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we'll just move in this carriage house. Like we lived in a carriage house for a while when our babies were, you know, they were like three and five, and they we had no heater there. We had to go gather wood. <laughs> I mean, it's like all this kind of crazy. We have goats. You know, when my babies were like just little tiny babies, we lived in this like gigantic loft space with no separation at all. Um, it, it was just, you know, all of our living uh, stuff has been very bizarro and we've always just tested things all the time. That's just the type of people that we are. We don't, you know, that's, we love that kind of freedom and we're constantly together. We travel together. Um, every, every, you know, everybody comes to school. Like my girls do homeschooling, um, like, um, and homeschool co-op and we come into town three times a week and both mommy and daddy are here. Like I'm, I'm with my girls all day. He's uh, doing some work at a, at a, at the coffee shop and then he'll come back and then I'll go away. And so, but we're constantly together and that's kind of unconventional for a lot of people. And this is how we live our life. So the reason that I was behind the scenes is because I know when you are in front of, when you're kind of front of house, <laughs> you have to be a little bit more, uh, on call, mm-hmm. right? It's like you, 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 you have a l- more responsibilities when you're behind the scenes, you can do things mostly at your own time. And when I decided to take this step, I had to really decide, okay, I'm going to be more visible. Um, I'm going to be needed more. What are the boundaries that I need to set for myself in order for this to work? And so in terms of the planning stages, particularly at the end of the year, one of the key things that I do is to look at time away from my family. So that is essentially one of the biggest boundaries that I that is there. Like it, nothing is going beyond that. And it's at first it was a personal discussion because I had, before I came into my relationship, I was incredibly independent and I just did whatever the heck I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like anytime I was just like, I'm just going to fly over here. I'm just going to go over there. And I didn't realize that I needed to discuss my plans with my, with my significant other because I was so used to being so independent. So we came to a decision together that I would essentially leave twice a year, like go to a conference mm-hmm. twice a year, th- maybe three times. The end. That's it. Um, anytime that we travel, we try to add on work to where we've decided as a family to travel versus we're going to go this way and I just kind of have to deal with my work mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's the beginning of it. And also to start to really establish and understand what it takes energetically for me to be working. Um, like, let's say if I go to a conference versus running like this, like the virtual mentorship that I have, like, what does that look like in terms of time spent with, with the mentor, the mentees? And then what does that look like with, um, you know, one-on-one clients, like all of that stuff. Like I have to make those choices based on our life. And so that's essentially how I began the process. And then I refine it based on how I feel afterwards. Meaning if I do make a decision to go to a conference or if I do make a decision to, you know, take on 20 clients in a month or something like that, um, (laughs) I have to then afterwards go, okay, that was a lot, (laughs) you know? So next time I'm going to adjust it based on that. So I make my choices that are based on that 
first on the way that it feels after I do it in terms of business. And then I align that based on um, maybe if let's say I need to make $10,000, I don't know, in the first quarter or something like that, then I will look back at what I've done in the past. How is that? How am I going to do that? Right. To just like make a certain amount of money using these sort of boundaries that I've set for myself of how to make that happen so that it doesn't really intrude on my family or what I'm willing to give up based on that stuff. Got it. So one thing that is standing out to me is how kind of you're balancing these kind of big mindset, big uh, personal priority pieces with decision-making that is super granular. Um, that is very specific. You know, I'm only leaving my family two times a year for conferences. Like that's a very granular decision to make um, at the end of the year or the beginning of of the next year. Um, And so I'm curious about how you balance or how you work through from a big picture priority or value, personal value, down to those more granular decisions that you make. So uh, meaning like how, how can I impact the most making that granular decision to a larger vision that I have? So. Uh, more like how you're, how you're actually even arriving at those granular oh, decisions. It. All right. Yeah. So the reason they did that is because what tends to happen, like, let's say, let's take the conferences thing, because that is a huge conversation. And my, my partner, Jessica Kupferman, who we co-run, uh, she podcasts, one of the reasons in, in, in Full on transparency. One of the reasons she podcast live did not happen sooner was because of me. Mm-hmm. Like that was a conference that just started. Um, we, I mean, she did a fantastic job at putting it together and making it happen. But I was the one that was saying no for a long, long time because I understand how hard it is to do this. And, the, and I understand how much time it actually takes to do these kinds of things. And I was coming at it from the perspective of being, having to attend um, industry conferences now consistently for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And what tends to happen is let's say it's a three day conference in order for that three day conference to be really impactful for our businesses or my personal, uh, professional, uh, you know, whatever stance, uh, it's like money, uh, just visibility. I have to work at that for about a month and a half Mm. to plan for that. And then because the family is around me, meaning that I am the catalyst of how everything works. I'm the one that gets things together. I'm the one that's like the head of essentially with the girls around all the time. And that's by design. Then when I leave, everything goes to crap usually, (laughs) or it used to, it used to, it's a lot better now. I mean, you know, the girls are much bigger now. They're 11 and eight. So they are much more capable. They are much better to do so many different things. But before it was so hard because what would ended up happening is I would come back and I would have to hit the ground running and my, my personal health went down the chute. Mm. You know, it was like, I couldn't concentrate afterwards. I was exhausted. I never got a chance to re realign. I, you know, I'm an introvert at heart. So I need that space to just get myself together. And I didn't have that. And so I lost so much momentum after coming back from conferences because I just needed to crawl into a cave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I recognize now that doing that, having two key conferences to attend to is going to take a big amount of time and I have to make them happen. Like I need to energetically make them 
very intentional and really have my stamp on what it is that I need to do at these conferences. And it has worked. I mean, it has worked incredibly. I can trace back every single visibility professional like level up of me and my name to every single one of these intentional conference places that I go to without having to go to 10, let's say. Um, and the reason I say that is because my business or my work is leads with being an advocate and leads with being a podcasting pundit, an analyst versus service-based stuff. Like service-based stuff does implement and give me money, but that's how, that's essentially who I am is more of that person mm -hmm. that speaks into these things. Yeah. You'll find out how Elsie is training herself to recognize her true capacity for commitment in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is proud to announce the brand new What Works Forum. 2020 is going to be different. Why? Well, because you've committed to making time to work on your business, finding caring support, raising your level of personal accountability, and maintaining clear priorities. And I'd like to help you with that. I'm facilitating a 12-month small group mastermind experience for small business owners building on their current success. Think of the What Works Forum as support for doing what works for you. It's not about flashy tactics or internet business hype. It's your secret weapon support system for building a sustainable, fulfilling, and impactful business that, well, works. You'll work closely with me and a group of up to 14 peers to stay focused on what's important and troubleshoot the inevitable challenges that come your way. Along the way, we'll weigh in with our experience, insight, and feedback during twice monthly mastermind sessions and in our private group inside the WhatWorks Network. You'll also get quarterly planning sessions to make sure you have dedicated time to plan for success. Plus, you'll take time each month to review what you've done and what you need to do next to build on what works for you. You'll even get an exclusive invitation to two in-person mastermind sessions, one in LA and one in DC. After working with small business owners for over 11 years, I can tell you that we've pulled out all the stops for the What Works Forum and created the ideal support system for your growth next year. To get all the details and sign up, go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum. From there, you'll submit your self-assessment and intake form. I will personally review it and extend an invitation to the forum if I think it's a perfect fit for where you're at and what you're up to. We only have room for 30 business owners in the forum and registration is closing soon. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum and prepare to transform your business in 2020. What Works is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. You want your business to take care of you and your customers, but offering products, courses, or programs that shuttle your customers from one platform to another just isn't a great way to do that. At What Works, we run our whole community on Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks has helped us streamline the way we serve our customers, communicate with our community, and offer dynamic learning experiences. Mighty Networks lets us manage our community content and groups all in one place, and we can manage payment and user registration too. Instead of managing a Facebook group, a learning management system, a payment processor, and an events listing separately, we can do it all through Mighty Networks. 
you can too. Make 2020 the year you streamline your business so you can take better care of yourself and your customers. Get started with Mighty Networks today. Go to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. I'm very fascinated by how much you have considered the impact of the things that you commit to. And this is something I'm personally really, really, really interested in now because I'm starting to see how both for myself and for all of the business owners I've worked with over the years, how misunderstanding how much a conference, a launch, a new service offering requires of you is one of the reasons that our planning and our goal setting and our time management goes off the rails. How did, maybe it seems obvious, but how did you figure out that it takes you a month and a half to really get the most out of a conference? Like, how did you realize that that amount of time was what was going to be required of you Uh, both from a sort of a mental health standpoint and from a preparation standpoint to really get the most out of that? I think it was because I failed miserably. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I I really, that's that's what it was. I failed miserably for a lot of times. I always thought like, oh, this is going to be cake. And I would go and what ended up happening is it was such a high level of execution when I was going to conferences and then coming out of it, I had nothing to show for it. It was almost exactly the same feeling that I was talking about at the beginning when we started to talk about. It was like the end of the year and you're starting it and you're like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And that's not true. But the intentionality of what you do at conferences, or at least for me, whenever I do make that imprint, really needs to matter. And what I've started to do even more of is also recognizing the amount of work that it takes for me to be present when I'm asked to speak. And that's another layer of of what happens there too. Because um, when you are given, not even like a, not necessarily even a keynote, because I haven't done any keynotes, but I have done um, lots of panels, like high visibility panels Mm -hmm. with uh, people in the industry that I consider to be Um, really high level. Like I've been put in positions of like leading a panel with like the top CEOs in the radio industry in the United States, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't know any of these people and the amount, like the level of meetings that I had with each one of the CEOs sitting down, not sitting down physically, but on the phone, making sure that I had the right, like the phone number and like establishing these calls with them, who they are, the research that I had to do for every single one of them. Then the people who put on the panel, I had to sit down with them. Like it was, it was an insane amount of work to be prepared to go on stage for 30 minutes and have all of this visibility just put me front and center, like with reporters. And it was crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was just like, this is crazy. And so that that's the kind of stuff I knew that that time that I needed to be like head on, like seeing it. So the way that I started to figure out what that was like afterwards is because there were a couple of times when I would um, create these um, workshops that were very out of the norm. I always like to put stuff on that people don't necessarily, they're kind of 
weird. Like I have to be, I have to be very specific when I pitch them. Cause I have to go like, I'm telling you, this is going to be good, dude. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, like every, like a, a thing on voice and like this other panel that it was just all about talking about podcasting as a culture, like as a culture. And people are like, what are you talking about? That's usually I get deers and headlights yeah. whenever I pitch something. And so usually I have to go like, no, this is actually really good. And so I have to work really hard. Number one, for them to say yes. And I, and if I believe in it, I will do it. And then I put it on. And then what tended to happen is I would be so tired that I never use that momentum. I never did anything with that. I was just like, Oh, that was, it's like it disappeared. And I started to think I'm working my butt off for nothing like zero. And so after seeing that failure every single time that I literally had nobody knowing who I was, <laughs> I had no marketing. I had, I only had all of this amazing stuff that I've done, but no way to present it. I was, I started, I had to take that responsibility to get my, oh, to toot my own horn and to use uh, I work also for Libsyn, the largest podcasting host and distribution network. And I was always behind the scenes. Like I never spoke forward. You know, I, I just was always taking care of all the business end of it in the back. And I thought, you know what, forget this. I'm going to use, <laughs> I'm going to put myself front in front of this and I'm going to make it work. I'm going to push myself through this. And I started to use that platform as a way to shuttle um, and to get more visibility to, to the issues that I feel are important to talk about. But because I failed miserably for like three to four years, <laughs> at anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love you. You said something. I'm so tired. I don't do anything with the momentum from it. And that, oh, I can feel that one real deep. I have been there so many times, which is why this, this process is so fascinating to me. Um, okay. So I want to actually back way up to something that you had started talking about early um, in the conversation where you were really running down through sort of a list of questions, things that you ask yourself, things that you're looking back on over the year to remind yourself like, oh yeah, I did stuff this year. I got shit done. It's cool. Um, and also to to take stock, to take inventory of, you know, maybe some of the things that didn't work out or some of the things you had forgotten about over the year. Um, can you walk us through what some of those questions are and, and why you remind yourself about the things that you do? I start. I have a really interesting way of, of doing that. And part of it is because of the fact that our digital lives are so out mm -hmm. now and everything has metadata on it. So I'm a total, I'm a total, like, I'm a total geek about things like that. And so I really try to use tools that are already in existence to kind of, um, reverse engineer what was going on with me. Awesome. <laughs> because my brain doesn't work very well anymore since I, you know, I, with my girls and all this kind of stuff, I just feel like now I'm in perpetual, like my brain somehow just doesn't work the way it used to at all. So because the, we have all kinds of like really neat metadata imprinted in our digital footprint lately, I like to use a lot of that. Um, one of them being the fact that our pictures are really, um, 
are, are kind of like there all the time. Like pictures have imprints in them. Every single time you take a picture, you can have a date, you can have a location, you can have all of that stuff. So that to me is a trigger. I'll give, I'll give you how I, I add this here yeah. in a second, but that's one, one thing. Then the other thing is all of the social media aspects of it, right? Because there is that sense of like everything is dated and everything has a place again, that you're putting this stuff out, like that stuff is also imprinted in both like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, depending on your privacy settings. But that's also a thing. And lastly, there is another app. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just tell you about an app specifically that I really love. It's called Day One. Okay. And it is for both iOS and um, my computer. My I'm a Mac girl at heart. And so Day One for me has also been something that I, I use a lot. And the reason that I like day one, it's essentially a journal. And what I like about it is that it can, you can put all kinds of things in it. So you can put images in it. If you kind of pay for like the, you know, the paid tier, you can record stuff into it. You can pull things into it. You can just use text into it. It has location based in there already. Like meaning like, let's say right now I decide to open day one and I write interview with Tara um, it will automatically imprint my location and the time. It just automatically does all that mm. stuff. It's already in there. And so what it does is it gives me, without me having to have a journal, in quote, it automatically logs all this information for me. So at times, I will periodically do that. I'll pull images in there. I'll I'll write really quickly stuff in there. Um, I will. Um, the other thing that it does is that it actually can pull your social media in it as well, even though I don't do that because I have another app that I do for that because, of course, I have to have something different too. But it does all these things. And so what I do is that just helps me to really quickly browse through everything that I've done. And so it's not a journal to capture my thoughts and pontificate and do all of that stuff that journaling does, it's actually like a, a place to put all the things mm. so that later I can use as reference to remember, oh, I was reading that book. Oh, I was at that. Oh, that's right. We went on that trip. <gasps> that's when I was calling on the phone with the so-and-so. And then it, it triggers a series of memories for me. And then I can really see how that worked out for me because we have I find that we often undercut our experiences in, in ways that is, is um, like if somebody were to be only looking at a list that you've created, like you'd look back at your year and you're like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then you might look at it and not really see what it really was. But when you have all of these little bits of data put together and you reference it back, it gives me a holistic understanding of everything not only of the achievement, but also of how I was feeling mm. and what that means. So I also use another app. Um, I believe it's called Memento. I'm going to really quickly look here, but I think it's Memento. It's something like that. If not, I will tell you, I will tell you later what it is. But this other app, um, what it does is you can pull in all of your Twitter and all of your Instagram into it. And so what it, again, what it does is that you can always reference back as to what was happening when. And so when you look at it, you see what you've put out. And since 
I use social media in a not in as much a marketing way as I do like the occasional sort of thought leadership mm-hmm. way. <laughs> you know, I don't re- my personal social media. So like there's di- you know obviously there's different types of marketing that go in different accounts, but my personal social media is slightly more like aimed towards the thought leadership aspect of things with occasional marketing. So I can see where my mind was at that, at that moment. I can see when I discovered a specific thought or a specific book or a specific article or a specific conversation. And that again brings me back to, to feel, oh wow, that was a huge learning experience for me. I mean, that was massive. And then that gives me an idea of like, oh, this is the year that I did X. Wow. That's huge. So that's how I do it. Gotcha. I love that. And I love that you're using, like we we, um, talk so much about how like the digital world is, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's stealing our presence and our awareness from it, from us. And I love that you've just totally flipped the script on that. I have to. It's like, you know what, like one of those things that I, I'm hugely passionate about is that paradox because yeah. it's part of who we are right now. Like it, you can't deny it. And yeah. even though there's so many times where I'm like, I wish we didn't, I wish this wasn't here. You know, all these different things. I'm really trying to be proactive in making sure that the, our digital uh, properties, however that might be, can be used in a way that is going to be added to me. But that's, again, that's been a really huge intention. Like I remember I got, one thing that I can say to you right now is that this year has been my year of consistently stepping away from Facebook in a huge way. And when I say that, I'm not saying it in the perspective of like, um, well, personally, yes, but, um, I thought that I had to be on Facebook because our business or my job is essentially a lot of it on Facebook. And so I really was intentional about how do I solve that problem when I have to be there? Like, what are the steps I need to take in order for me to better serve myself? And yet, still maintain this, right? And it's not an easy solution and it's not a fast solution. It's not like, oh, I'm going to break up with Facebook and I'll never come back. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not that. There's slow buildup. But I can tell you that it's been amazing this year in the way that I have made a complete shift from my prior behavior to this year and how it's working and nothing has been lost. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, As we start to wrap up here, looking toward 2020, is there anything that you can share with us from sort of your ongoing process of looking back from this last year in terms of what changes you're wanting to make or what you're trying to move toward in 2020? I am really wanting uh, even more to step forward more through my voice Mm -hmm. uh, in like more thought leadership in the space in a way that is resonant, but also in the Spanish speaking market is actually my biggest thing right now Mm -hmm. to start to advocate for podcasting and uh, Spanish speaking podcasters and, and really get my um, having these types of conversations. Now the nuanced conversations that are happening in the podcasting space here in the States to kind of move it um, outside to a global perspective. 
Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing that happen and look forward to seeing that intention make its way out into the rest of the world. Elsie Escobar, thank you so much for shedding light on your personal inventory process and how it's helping you take care of yourself as a thought leader and business owner and professional. Thank you so much. Find out more about Elsie Escobar at elsieescobar.com and find Libsyn's The Feed as well as She Podcasts wherever you listen to What Works. Next, you'll hear from Haley Thomas, who transformed her business model to take better care of herself after suffering an unexpected personal loss. Now, if you're thinking about how you can take better care of yourself as an entrepreneur in 2020, don't forget to get help. We'd love to support you in the What Works Forum with 12 months of hands-on mastermind sessions, collaboration, and planning. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum to learn more. That's explorewhatworks.com slash forum. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. Production assistance by Kristen Runbeck. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 250 more candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com. <laughs>